other people. Who needs them? It's pharisaical thoughts like these that were running through my mind yesterday as I sat in my car on the Belt Parkway, along with what seemed to be most of the population of Brooklyn, Queens, and Nassau County, Long Island. To call it the Belt Parkway is, of course, an act of the purest and most delusional optimism. Because the pace at which the traffic moves, it should be called the Belt Parking Lot. I was there for the 90th anniversary of our sister congregation in this circuit, Our Savior in Valley Stream, New York, and the service went very well. I was very glad to have been there. But the plus side of stop and go traffic averaging 15 miles per hour is that it prevents accidents because no one can actually get up enough speed to crash. Which is good, I mused yesterday, because if the astigmatic lunatics behind the steering wheels around me were going 60 miles an hour, human life would not be safe in the vicinity. Have I mentioned that I would make an excellent, and I mean an excellent, Pharisee? Not for strict observance of Mosaic law, I don't mean, but for the spontaneous feelings of self-righteousness that make Jesus' parable in today's gospel lesson one of my, I can't decide, favorites, because I recognize myself in it, or least favorites, because I'm the bad guy. I love that Pharisee, because I am he, especially when driving. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. How often has that been the unspoken assumption behind my thoughts and prayers? Now I know that none of you have any such thoughts. So I'm grateful for your indulgence in listening to your pastor confess his sins. But just in case, just in case there's someone out there who may also have recognized him or herself in that Pharisee, Allow me to continue. It's a short and a simple parable. Two men, says Jesus, went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income, but the tax collector standing far off He wouldn't even look up into heaven. He instead spent his time beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says, this is the man who went down to his home justified rather than the other. The first thing to know about this parable is that tax collectors were not any more popular in Jesus' society than they are in ours. Most people in the Roman province of Judea considered tax collectors to be corrupt collaborators with the hated Roman occupiers. Tax collectors bid for their positions because they presented many opportunities for graft. And the Roman governor often awarded the positions to the highest bidders, who were likely to bring in the most revenue, with Roman soldiers at their beck and call to assist with shakedowns of such of the citizenry as might require it. 
The Pharisees deplored such extortionists. Pharisees prided themselves on strict observance of Jewish law, on refusing to collaborate with the Roman occupiers, and on preserving and perpetuating a religion and culture unsullied by slothful observance or pagan influence. So when Jesus tells this parable, it's a slap in the face. They who have been attempting to maintain at least some semblance of righteousness and faithfulness in Jewish society are represented as a self-righteous, hypercritical toff seeking to justify himself. In contrast, the tax collector in the parable is apparently commended for his humility to the point of despairing of himself. You can probably imagine how popular this parable made Jesus among the Pharisees, about as popular as the parable of the prodigal son made him among the elder brothers of the world. The principle in the two parables is the same, as Jesus puts it succinctly at the end of this one. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. No matter how much we do right, we know from Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our works cannot save us. Which of course does not mean that we shouldn't do them. It just means that nothing short of perfect obedience will justify us in God's sight. That obedience is the obedience of Jesus, our Savior. That right, the righteousness that puts us right with God is not ours. It's God's own righteousness that we receive through our baptism into Jesus' death and resurrection. Not because we deserve it, but in spite of our undeserving. God does not meet us halfway in a righteousness bargain. He does not supplement or top off our righteousness. He is our righteousness, all of it. And we receive him not by our exertions, but by faith in Jesus Christ. That's why in his parable, Jesus commends the tax collector instead of the Pharisee. The tax collector is aware of his lack, utter lack of righteousness, and seeks it instead from elsewhere, from God, who can provide it. The Pharisee relies on his own righteousness, which he seems not to realize is lacking and inadequate. In the year 1518, in a debate called the Heidelberg Disputation, Martin Luther had a great line about why God loves us. Luther said, the love of God, in contrast to the way that people typically love each other, the love of God does not find, but creates that which is pleasing to it. Sinners are attractive because they are loved. They are not loved because they are attractive. Let's hear that just one more time in two parts. The love of God does not find, but creates that which is pleasing to it. It doesn't already exist. God's love creates it. That means that when God sees us, he does not regard us based on what he finds in us, Instead, God's love for us makes us desirable and worthwhile. 
And the second part of the quote continues in that same vein. Sinners are attractive because they are loved. They are not loved because they are attractive. It's God's love for us that makes us attractive and lovable. And that is what a judgmental, condescending, pharisaical attitude toward others misses, even if they're bad drivers, which is not to excuse careless, distracted, or aggressive driving, but to remind us that we are to love one another even so, because we are loved by God. That love may even take the form of driving lessons. In today's gospel lesson, the Pharisee thinks himself attractive, at least from a moral standpoint. The tax collector knows he has no real, no moral merit, and he begs God for mercy. He's the one who sees his need for God and hopes only in him. He's thus in a position to receive God's grace through his faith. Knowing that God loves us despite our sin enables us to hold ourselves and one another in high regard despite our many shortcomings and to continue to love and forgive one another as God does for us. That is the basis for much of what we believe about why people have dignity, why they have rights, and why life is sacred. It's why we must fight against our pharisaical tendencies and disabuse ourselves of delusions of self-righteousness. And it's also why we reject despair at the state of the world and of our sinful condition. Because in Christ, God has made us a new creation and has forgiven our sin. Thanks be to God for his grace and mercy even to Pharisees like us.